0: If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel. And we'll be in chapter number 10 tonight. We'll finish chapter number 10. And then we'll get back and we'll... After the holidays, we'll get back into Daniel and we'll pick up in chapter 11 and 12 and finish the book up and uh, see where we go from there. But in our last study... If you remember Daniel was in a state of mourning For the people of Israel They were really in a mess They had been given permission to go back to the land But uh, they really weren't doing the work That God had called them to do They were catching a lot of resistance And they just didn't really want to fight the fight Most of the Israelites wouldn't even go back And so Daniel Daniel longed for his people To be back in the land And so he was mourning this situation And so what he did He went on a fast for three weeks And uh, on the 21st day of the fast. Fast, guess who appeared to him? The Lord himself appeared to him. And he was walking by the river of Babylon. He had some people with him. And all of a sudden, the heavens opened up. And there was the Lord himself standing in his presence. And and, uh, he just about passed out. I mean, just about the same thing that you and I would do if we saw the Lord. And if you remember, last time he passed out. And then an angel came. And an angel touched him. And uh, he began to speak to him, and he said, Daniel, you're greatly beloved by the Lord. You're greatly beloved by the Lord. And, and so the Lord has sent me to give you a prophecy about the future of Israel. Uh, and in that prophecy, you're going to see that all of Israel is going to be saved. So you, you don't need to be troubled about the nation of Israel. They're the apple of God's eye, and God's going to take care of his people. So, so don't fret over this situation is basically what he would begin to tell him. So we want to pick up in chapter 10, uh, verse number 12. It says, Then he said to me, this is Daniel speaking. He said, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand, or you set your heart to, 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 to seek the Lord, and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come to you because of your words. See, he was told the same thing in the third vision, if you remember. From the moment you begin to plead on behalf of the people of Israel, God went to work uh, from that very moment, and He's told the same thing here. From the moment you humbled yourself, now that's where any effective prayer is going to begin, is when we humble ourselves before the Lord. I mean, you look at the prayers that really work, and those are prayers that begin with humility. Those people who are called by my name, you want to pray for the nation? If they will humble themselves, repent of their sin and seek my face, then I will heal their land. But it begins with humility. And humility says, hey, I'm no better than anybody else. I'm no better than the lost people in Lafayette. I'm not better than those people. What makes me better is what Christ has done for me. And who did Christ do that for? He did that for everybody. And so we're not any better. we're, We're better in the sense we're being made better by God. But we're not better based upon any of our own merit. And so effective prayer begins with humility. But, man, I'll tell you what, when I look at this, it encourages me to pray. I mean, if I need a word of wisdom from the Lord or I need the Lord to come to my aid or I need him to supply one of my needs, when does he begin to work? According to this. The, the, on the first day that you set your heart to seek the Lord and you humbled yourself God began to work God began to answer your prayer you know James will tell us later on in our study in James that that uh, uh, well I see he's already told us that I think we we have not because we ask not I mean we, we prayer prayer uh you got to. It begins with humility, but you've got to ask. You got to be willing to ask, and, and that sounds pretty, pretty. Uh, doesn't sound very profound. It sounds pretty simplistic. That you would ask if you want God to answer a prayer, you've got to ask. But you know what? A lot of us are, are very deistic in our practical Christianity. Well, you know, God's up there. I don't want to bother Him except for the big things. You better be very careful with that, because little things become big things very fast. And so we need to ask. We need to set our hearts towards the Lord and and ask and and seek the Lord and and, uh, uh, watch him work, watch him begin to work. But here's my question, Lord, why does it take so long? Why does it take so long for you to answer my prayers? Well, let me tell you why it takes so long. There is a war going on. A war that we don't see. In the heavenlies, in another dimension, it's a war that 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 is just as real as what's going on in the Middle East right now, and it's been going on since Satan fell to this earth and and uh, Adam and Eve uh, fell into sin. That war's been going on, and it's a great war, it's a terrible war, and so when we begin to pray. Uh, Things have to happen in that realm for us to get our answers that we want from our prayers. I mean, and we and we get a little peek into this in, in this part of Daniel. So it's really interesting. Listen to what the angel says in verse number 13. He says, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. The whole time you were praying, I was trying to get to you with this verse prophecy with his vision and the prince of Persia now he's not talking about uh, Cyrus here he's talking about a demonic power known as the prince of Persia that prince of Persia withstood me 21 days and he was such a tough power that I had to call upon Michael now Michael by the way is the angel who looks out over Israel and Daniel was a big player with Israel and so uh, this angel's trying to get to Daniel and he can't get to Daniel, because this this prince of Persia is coming up against him, and so he's got to call upon Michael. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the king of Persia. I was losing the battle, I couldn't get to you. He was winning the battle. Now, what's going on here? I mean, here was Daniel, he was in Israel. Before all of these things happened, when God put the people of Israel into the Promised Land, i got to believe there were a lot of really good angels in Israel. There probably still are today, covering that realm of Israel. But what happened to the nation of Israel? They began to give themselves over to to idolatry and to pagan gods. And when you open yourself up to pagan gods, who are you opening yourself up to? You're opening yourself up to demonic activity. You're actually selling your soul to the devil. That's basically what happened to Israel. They sold their soul to the devil. And then they got thrown into this pagan empire. And here's Daniel. He's thrown into the Babylonian empire. And then the Persians take over the Babylonian empire. And uh, he's in enemy territory. He's not in the homeland. He's in enemy territory where most of the people are pagan. Even most of the Israelites at this point were pagan. And so there are a lot of demonic powers ruling over that area. I mean, there are cities in the United States that I got to believe, you know, they're just full of demonic powers. I remember, I remember somebody telling me one time at seminary that every time they left New Orleans and they came back over the bridge or one of the bridges to come into New Orleans, they could sense this darkness, this, this, this demonic powers or this, just this darkness in the soul. And I could, once they told me that, I said, you know, you're right. There is a heaviness in your spirit when you come into a city like that. And you go to somewhere like, I, I just couldn't imagine what it would be like going to somewhere like Afghanistan or, or some of those cities. I remember it when I was in Europe. You know, I wouldn't even say them, but there, it, it's dark there. There's something really dark there. My wife wants to go to Italy really bad. I'm saying, you know, there's some pretty things to see and stuff. But, man, I, I, I can remember getting off the plane and just, almost kissing the ground when I got back to the United States of America, but it's getting pretty dark here now because more and more we're opening our up, ourselves up to demonic activity and, and, and we're, we're giving them territory and the church is standing by and we're trying to fight this battle in the political, we're trying to either fight it with one another or we're trying to fight it in the political arena and we're losing and the devil's having a heyday and He's winning. Because we really, I don't think, believe in what we're reading right here in verse number 13. So, what this angel does, he calls out the big guns. He can't handle this demon, this power. So, he calls out the big guns. He calls out in the Lord himself and he calls in Michael. And he gets to, to, to see Daniel and he gets to give him... This vision. Now, you read a verse like this, and it reads almost like a science fiction book. You know, it doesn't even seem like that could possibly be real. But as I said earlier, it's every bit as real as the, the dimension that they operate in, that angels operate in. And I think they come in and out of that dimension to the earth. The dimension that they operate in is, is every bit as real as the dimension we live in. And uh, these battles have been going on for centuries and they're going to keep going on until the millennium. And these demons are thrown into a uh, chain and thrown into a pit. They're going to keep going on. Isn't that exactly what Paul tell you, tells us in Ephesians? Remember in Ephesians and our study in Ephesians? Listen to what he says. And, and, and again, this sounds like something out of a science fiction book. But it's true. If you believe the gospel, John 3:16, you've got to believe this is true too. Listen to what he said. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. What does he mean by that? We don't wrestle against each other. We don't wrestle against all those people in Lafayette. We don't wrestle against the Catholics. We don't wrestle against the, the Muslims. That's not really who our battle is with. He says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, and the power of his might put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, like the prince of Persia, spiritual host of wickednesses, wickedness in heavenly places. You know what? If we really believe, verse 12, that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against These powers of darkness It would change our prayer life It would totally change our prayer life Because then we would realize That the battle isn't against each other It isn't against human flesh It is against demonic powers Against demonic forces Princes of the air And they have influence over A lot of people I mean, if you don't like a particular politician, I'm not telling you not to vote. We all should be responsible citizens. But the best way to battle that situation is through prayer. Because that person really has been duped by the devil. And they're not going to change unless somehow the Lord gets in there and changes them. Unless somehow those demonic forces that are holding them at bay in this evil state they're in, are defeated. And there's only one way to defeat them. And that's by prayer. You know, if I haven't learned anything in my 20 years of ministry, 20 or so years of ministry, the one thing I've learned is this. Now, I'm not saying I practice it, but I've learned. I've learned that if I want victory, when I am in conflict with someone, if I want victory in that conflict I'm gonna get it in prayer and that's the only way that God's gonna give it to me he's not gonna give it to me with clever words he's not gonna give it to me with violent act- actions the only way he gives me that victory is through prayer and I've had some victories in fact every single time in my ministry when I was in conflict with an individual, and I begin to pray, the Lord would do something with them. He would take care of that situation. And sometimes we call it in the ministry blessed subtraction. <laughs> but we you, when somebody leaves, but it might be they left. There's been some situations, there's been some situations where I've had some strong conflict with somebody and just prayed through it, and I saw my heart change, and their heart changed too. And the situation went away. But too, you know, I'm hot-tempered. And I'm too quick sometimes to to go that route. And I always fail when I try to take things in my own hand. But if if, if you're in conflict with someone, if you'll just begin to pray over that situation in love, God will give you the victory. He'll do it every single time. It might take 21 days because you're fighting a spiritual battle. And there are demons. It might take 21 weeks. Hopefully not, maybe 21 months, not 21 years. But that's the way you fight it. That's the way you fight the enemy. So God sends this angel to Daniel to comfort Daniel with this vision. And the angel meets resistance. But Daniel's a man of prayer. He doesn't give up. He endures in prayer. And uh, now he's going to tell him, about this prophecy that is going to that uh, he's going to give him. And, and so we pick up in verse number 14. Look at verse number 14. He says, Now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days. Remember we were told back in verse 1 that, that this vision covers a long period of time. But he says, he says Now I have come to you to, to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days. For the vision refers to many days yet to come. It it refers to the time from the time of Daniel to Antiochus Epiphanes. And then there's a gap, and then it picks back up again in the Great Tribulation. That's the time period that's covered. So it pretty much covers all of history from the time of Daniel to, to to the second coming of Jesus Christ. And then listen to what he says in 15. He says, When he had spoken such words to me, I turned my face toward the ground and became speechless. And suddenly one having the likeness of the sons of man touched my lips. I think it's the same angel. Now this is, gets confusing. Is the Lord back on the scene or is this the angel on the scene? I think this is the angel. And, and, and the Hebrew wording here is very vague and you can turn things around a little bit. But, but I think I would land on the, 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 the side that, that uh, this is actually that same angel speaking to him. Or, and touching his lips. And when I opened my mouth spoke, and spoke, saying to him who stood before me, My Lord, because of the vision, my sorrows have overwhelmed me. Now the vision he's talking about isn't the prophecy yet, because he hasn't been given the prophecy. He's talking about the vision of the Lord. And we saw that last week. Why was he the when he saw the Lord? Because he saw how defiled he was in the presence of the Lord. He says, I'm overwhelmed by that. And I have no strength left to face you. Now it's hard enough to face the Lord, but... I mean, it's hard enough to face an angel, but it's really hard to face the Lord. But here he is; and he's still in this supernatural experience, and it's very difficult for him. He's been humbled by this experience. For how can this servant of my Lord talk with you, my Lord? As as far as for me, no strength remains in me now, nor is there any breath left in me. So I mean, here he is, and he's in all—he's in a—he's in a state of all but shock. I mean, he's—he's. He's, He's in a he, he's shaken he's nervous he can't speak I mean uh, and uh, this angel touches him and, and he gets the power to speak now verse number 18 it says then again the one having the likeness of man touched me and strengthened me so the so I believe this angel has powers all angels have powers and just like there are some people I believe that God works through them and imparts power to others through them and here's this angel and this angel having the likeness of man touched him and strengthened him and he said oh man greatly beloved greatly beloved by the Lord fear not peace to you shalom from the king of peace be strong yes strong so so when he spoke to me I was strengthened he said be strong and I was strengthened Let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. You know what's cool about the Lord? One of the many things that are cool about the Lord? When the Lord says for you to have peace or to be strong, whether he says it himself or whether you read it in his word or whether it comes through an angel, when he says that, that means he's actually going to give you that peace, and he's going to give you that strength. This this passage reminds me of the time when, when Moses had died and Joshua was was about to take the reins of the uh, leadership of Israel over Israel, and uh, uh, he saw the Lord. and, and Remember, go, go back with me to the book of Joshua for a minute. Just a few books into the Bible, Joshua. Look at chapter number 1. Let me read verses 1 through 6. Read along with me there. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise and go over the Jordan, you and all of this people. It's like when the Lord said, we're going to go to the other side. That wasn't if... If, if it was, we're going to go to the other side. When he told his disciples that, they went to the other side. Even though there was a storm, they went to the other side. It's a lesson to learn. And he tells, he tells Joshua, arise and go over the Jordan. Well, wait a minute. You don't understand that the Jordan is flooding right now. It's the spring season and, 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 and there's no way we're going to cross it. That's not even in question here. He says, arise and go over the Jordan, you and all his people, to the land which I am given them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon I will give you, as I said to Moses from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, uh, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. Now watch what he says in verse number five. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And the same thing that the Lord tells us in the book of Hebrews, I will never leave you or forsake you. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. And then verse number six, Therefore be strong and of good courage. For this people you you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. You understand what he's saying right there? Now, a lot of people come to this verse and, and they interpret that as some kind of conditional clause. In other words, if Joshua, if you'll be strong and of good courage, then you'll get the victory over the Canaanites and you'll get to divide the land among the people. If you'll be strong and of good courage. That's not what he's saying there at all. Look back at, look at, like at the verse number six. He says, be strong and of good courage. When God said, let there be light, he didn't say if. He said, let there be light. And what was there? There was light. When the Lord says, be strong and be of good courage, guess what? You're strong and you've got courage. And I think we approach that the wrong way sometimes. When we need strength from the Lord, uh, the Lord's not saying to us, man, if you'll just suck it up and you'll be tough, you'll get through the situation. No, the Lord wants to say to you, be strong. And be of good courage. I'm going to give you strength and I'm going to give you courage. That's another thing I've learned in the ministry. Really, I've learned in my life since I've been saved. The times that I'm strong, the times that I have courage, isn't because I'm sucking it up and and, and, I'm, and I'm operating out of my own personal strength. It's because the Lord has given me supernatural strength and courage. And that's what he's saying here. That's what happened to Daniel. Be strong. And he was strong. He says to, to uh Joshua be strong and Joshua was strong. Why was Josh strong? Joshua was strong because the Lord was with him. And the the Lord never left him or forsook him, not one time. Isn't that what the Bible says about us? I mean, we got an even better deal than Joshua had. The Lord lives in us. We're more than conquerors in Jesus Christ. We're strong and we're courageous if we just let the Lord live and not ourselves. I've been crucified, with Christ is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me and through me. And he's going to strengthen us, and he's going to give us that courage. Now, verse number 20, back to to Daniel. Daniel chapter 10, verse number 20. Actually, let's read all the way through. There's one sentence here. One sentence that begins at verse twenty. And and it ends with verse number one of chapter number 11. Read with me there. He says, Then he said, Do you not know why I have come to you? And now I must return to fight the prince of Persia. And when I have gone forth, indeed, the prince of Greece will come. you understand what he's saying right there? He says, he's saying this is an ongoing battle. We know Greece comes after, the empire of Greece comes after Persia. And there are these demonic princes who are ruling over these evil people who are conquering these nations. And so he's basically saying that this is an ongoing battle that's not going to end anytime soon. I mean, I'd be willing to bet you that same angel who was fighting for Daniel to see Daniel and was fighting the prince of Persia and later the prince of Greece, that demonic power, is still fighting some demonic power today. In fact, i got to believe there are more demonic powers out there. There's not any more. The numbers doesn't change. They were So many were created, so I can't say that. But the same number are there. And they're still in battle with those demonic powers today. He says, but I will tell you what is noted in the scripture of truth. No one upholds me against these except Michael, your prince. Michael, who is the angel who oversees the nation of Israel Daniel chapter 11 when I still believe he still oversees the spiritual battle going on between the demonic forces that are coming against Israel and the good angels that are preventing them from coming against Israel also in ver- he says also verse number 1 in the first year of Darius the Mede I mean hey before I was fighting the prince of Persia before the Persians took over. I, I was there with Darius. And I even I stood up to confirm and strengthen him. In other words, I helped Darius get into power. I helped Darius. Because Darius was a good man. You look back over history. Darius was a very good king. When it comes to pagan kings, he was a very good king. We saw that in the way he treated Daniel. And so, hey, I was fighting that battle. Now... That, those, three sentence, those three verses there make up one Hebrew sentence. And there's no way you can make sense of that if you don't rearrange it a little bit. Now, there's all sorts of ways to rearrange it. You want to go back and rearrange it? You can. But it's a very literal and wooden translation and it requires some thought to figure out what he's saying right here. Here's what, here's what he's saying. He's saying, do you know why I've come to you, Daniel? I've come to tell you what is noted in the scripture of truth. Now, is he talking about the Bible? I think he would have said the Torah or the Pentateuch or something like that if if it had been the Bible, because that's all they they would have had at that point. Maybe a few of the prophets. uh, We talked about him maybe having a copy of Jeremiah, and I think maybe he did, I'm I'm sure he did, because of the way he refers to that. But... That's not the scripture he's talking about. The the Hebrew word for scripture there simply means writing. So maybe this is better translated, uh, the writing of truth. In other words, I came to tell you what is written in the writing of truth. Written where? Now where is he from? He's not from the earth. He's from the heavens, from heaven. And so what he's talking about, I came to tell you what is written in heaven about the future. That's really what he's saying to Daniel. Do you realize that all of human history was written down in heaven long before any of it has ever happened on the earth? That's why the Bible refers to the book of life now what's the book of life the book of life is a list of those people who are going to be saved and live with God forever now you have got to know what's going on in history to know who's in the book of life you got to know that and that was written down the Bible refers over and over again to the the book of life think about the plan of salvation is that something God kind of created as as he went along no, we're told very clearly in the Bible that it was written in heaven. It was a plan laid. It's got to be written down. And it doesn't necessarily have to be in our letters. It doesn't have to be that kind of writing. It can be just written on the heart of God. But it was, that plan of salvation was written down before the foundation of the world. Before this world was even created. That plan was laid by, out by God. The second coming of Jesus Christ, or really the first coming in Bethlehem, was written down in heaven before the foundation of the world. And his death was written down in heaven. That's why Isaiah could, the gospel of Isaiah is so clear about the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Read Psalm 22. That is Christ speaking from the cross. It was written down before it even happened. And the history of Israel, every bit of it was written down before, Israel, before Abraham was even called by God to leave Chaldea and become a nation of people. All of this was written down by the Lord before any of it even happened. I think that's true for every bit of history. The history of every nation was written down before the foundation of the world. Now, how can that be? I heard somebody complain about a pastor calling him a heretic because he said that, that uh, God knew that Adam and Eve were, were, were going to sin when, when they were placed in the garden. That guy's the heretic. I mean, what kind of God do you serve? Certainly, God knew they were going to sin. If He laid the foundation before the, uh, the plan of salvation before the foundation of the world, then He certainly knew they were going to sin. And they were going to fall. If he didn't know that, he's not omniscient. And God is omniscient. He knows everything. And the reason he knows everything, look, look, God's omnipotent too, and he can make things happen the way he wants to happen. Not only does he know what's going to happen, he can make things happen the way he wants things to happen. And he's in eternity, and he's not in time. Now you don't understand that, and I don't understand that. But that change, that's where you get these paradoxes in the Bible is because God is in, in eternity, and he is omniscient. Now, if it's all been written down, and here's what I want all of y'all to be very careful what, what I'm about to say. If it's all been written down, does that mean we just sit back and do nothing because it's all going to work out the way God's planned it to work out anyway? No. We're all part of that history. We're all part of that plan. Here was this angel fighting this battle. He was part of that plan. He's part of the history. He's part of the Bible. What we have written down for us came through that angel. You know, if we knew exactly the day that Jesus Christ was coming back, it really should, shouldn't change anything we do tomorrow. Because we should be active in that plan, in that history, even though God knows what the history is, and he knows how it's going to work out. He's told us how it's going to work out. We're part of that history. And then notice in that sentence, he also tells us that, that He was there fighting to help Darius against evil forces. So that Darius would be touched to help Daniel. Some neat things going on right here. And then he tells Daniel that once he's finished giving him this vision, he's going to go back and fight the prince of Persia. And after he fights the prince of Persia, he's going to go back and he's going to, Fight the Prince of Greece. You know what all of that tells me, and we're given just a little bitty peek right there. And Paul gives us a little bitty peek into what's going on. But all of that is very critical. What that tells us is that throughout history, this spiritual battle has been going on. This unseen dimension, things are taking place in that dimension. And that dimension is not far away. I don't believe it's far away at all. I believe it's in this very room right now. If we was open up, we would see angels. Some strange passages about women covering their heads because the angels are present. I think maybe it's speaking of demonic angels there. So there's probably demonic angels present in this room. I know there are. I know we have demonic angels that come in here and mess up with worship and mess up with the Word of God and mess with people to get people to mess up things in the church that's why we got to pray for these things you know I hear all the time in the news that in America today we're fighting a cultural war and, and they're exactly right there is a cultural war going on as we speak for the soul of this nation and that evil side is winning right now What's, what's that tell me behind that cultural war what is going on a great spiritual war and somehow as a church we've allowed those demonic forces to take over that's on us. And I think that's why passages like this are so important to get us back to praying the way the early church prayed. To pray, to, to, to realize that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers of darkness and wicked places. But here's the good news. You want the good news? The way all of history is going to turn out has never been in doubt. Even though there's a spiritual battle going on for your soul, if your name's written in the land's book of life, you're going to make it. Thank, Thank you, Lord, right? God's going to save us, He's going to defeat our enemies. And he is going to establish his kingdom of righteousness on this earth. You can bank on it. Jesus is going to rule and reign forever. And it's all going to happen. Because God in eternity past wrote it down. And said that's the way it's going to happen. And it's going to happen. And it's going to happen. Don't you want to be part of his plan though? Don't you want to be used by him in these last days? Don't you want to, don't you want to, when the plan is all consummated and you see the Lord, to hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Man, I know I want to do that. And time is short. We don't have much more time to do those things. So, hey, if you can't do anything else, you can be a prayer warrior. You can fight those battles. You can fight for the culture of this and soul of this country. On your knees. You can fight those forces of darkness and wickedness in dark places. You, you, we got a lot we can do. Thank you, Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for, for the encouragement here and the fact that Daniel in his 90s wrote this down so so we could read about it here in the 21st century. What a blessing that is. Lord, because that battle that that we read about tonight is, is going on just like it did in the days of Daniel. Lord, help us to be men and women like Daniel who did mighty things, Lord. He never girded a sword, never picked up a gun, never rode a chariot. But there wasn't a mighty, mightier man to ever live on this earth because he lived on his knees before you, Lord. Help us to be men and women like Daniel, men and women of prayer. We just ask that you encourage us. Lord, we want to be strong and we want to be courageous. We ask for that strength and we ask for that courage. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.